Live from the Centennial State, this is the Career Conversation Podcast, where you take control of your future and gain the confidence you need to reach your career goals. Hosted by Ryan Seeley, partner of industry for the Cherry Creek School District. Each week, I will bring you bite-sized conversations from real people working within real careers. Subscribe now so you don't miss any of the action. Welcome to the Career Conversation Podcast. Today, I am lucky to be joined by my new friend and military leader, Colonel J. Donovan Dono-Newer. Dono was born in Aurora, Colorado and grew up in Littleton. In 1997, Dono entered the military via the United States Air Force Academy. Upon graduation, he served on active duty for 15 years in multiple occupations to include aircraft maintenance, executive officer, and as an instruction program manager at the United States Air Force Academy. He served in Japan, Korea, Germany, Colorado Springs, South Carolina, and has had three tours to Afghanistan. At his 15-year mark, he transitioned to the 140th Wing in the Colorado Air National Guard, where he continued to lead in the aircraft maintenance specialty for six years. He now oversees the personnel, communications, civil engineering, logistics, contracting, and flight line security operations in support of the 140th Wing's F-16 and space missions. He has a passion for developing leaders and creating learning organizations. Jason Donovan, also known as Dono, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks for being here. We appreciate uh, you, uh, your interest in the CCIC, um, and we're excited to have uh, record this podcast. Um, uh, Dono, before we jump into your impressive career within the Air Force and the Colorado Air National Guard, can you give the students of the CCIC an idea just on what your high school experience was like, um, classes maybe you enjoyed, classes you maybe didn't enjoy, um, and maybe experiences that prepared you for a career within the military? Yeah, Ryan, I'd love to do that. I, uh, I'm from Colorado, so I went to high school here in Colorado. It's my home state. Love it here. And my high school, I had a challenging time in high school. I was, uh, I was a, a, probably a little bit of a loner slash uh, jock at the same time. I played soccer. Soccer was my life. Soccer was what gave me the break from everything and all the challenges in high school, from the pressures to the bullying to everything that my parents thought I should be when I was growing up. Uh, but then coming in out of soccer, meeting some good friends there, they helped me get into the classes and start really enjoying my, my, the classroom experience. And when I would have a class with some of my friends, it, it really helped. It's when I was probably not with a couple of my friends, it was a really tough time for me. And I know you guys can't see me, but when I was younger, it was nerdy looking, big glasses, uh, tried to do the long hair thing, that didn't work out so well. And, uh, and so I was trying to find myself, and I, I really liked science. I liked math. I had a hard time in uh, social studies, uh, religion class that I had to take, and I ended up finding the best way to study was to work with my friends, uh, find what interests me, actually take time away from all the distractions, and just knuckle down. So it took me a couple years, but after my junior and senior year, I started figuring it out, and life became a lot easier for me. Sure. Yeah. I uh, 
I think what you say will resonate with kids because what I heard you, heard you say is I found a sport mm-hmm. and through that sport I found some purpose in high school and then I found friends and then those friends helped kind of push me maybe in the academic side. And I know as a counselor, I was a counselor for a number of years before I jumped into this job as partner of industry and I'd always watch kids' grades and when the season was in, grades were there. And then when the season was done, the kids' grades slipped. Um, because that, that sport, if you love it, it does provide, I think, structure to help that academic piece. Um, did you know why you were in high school that you wanted to pursue a military career? Or did you gain that clarity, maybe why in college or perhaps even later? I didn't think about the military as a career for me while I was in high school, but my family had a long Navy military career. And so I've always heard about it at family events, whether it was Christmas, Thanksgiving, or just going to my grandparents' house. So it always intrigued me a little bit. And I loved the discipline. I loved the hard work, the stories. It seemed like there was so much camaraderie uh, with the friendships that my grandpa, my uncles uh, had, even after they were done with the military. So something kind of had a spark in me, but that I didn't believe I was going to go in the military when I was in high school. I thought when I was in high school, I was going to go make millions of dollars. I was going to be the boss of my own company, maybe even play D, uh, D1 soccer, maybe then go to pros uh, and play professional soccer. That's really where I had my heart set on. Uh, but it wasn't so much military. It was just kind of there on the outskirts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you say kind of inspired you to do military then? Like um, if you thought this is the direction yeah. I'm going, something changed. It did. It was my economic situation that changed me. I was, uh, my parents couldn't pay for college and I needed a full ride in order to go to college. And if I didn't get one, I was gonna have to get out there in the workforce. So the Air Force Academy saw me, scouted me and got me on the soccer team. And that got me into the military. And I'll tell you when I was at the Air Force Academy, my goal still wasn't being in the military. It was to play soccer. And it took me a couple years to figure out that soccer wasn't the end game. There is more to this. You got picked up because of your soccer ability from the Air Force. You must have been a really good soccer player. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. That was my passion. I yeah. did everything I could to be a good soccer player. I imagine. I've, mm-hmm. I've coached a lot of kids on getting into the Air Force Academy, and I know how competitive it is, and I know how you really do need that academic piece, but you also need the sports piece and the leadership piece. That's right. Um, and if they sought you for that... Um, Maybe they knew you would be a great military leader before you did. They, they, maybe they picked it out. I... What was a key experience or event that caused you to pursue a military career as well as your specialty within the military? So I know that you talk about your, uh, you just mentioned, you know, uh, it, it created an avenue to pay for college, which I think is an amazing benefit the military provides. Um, I hope we can talk maybe about the GI Montgomery bill, the post 9-11 bill. Those two bills provide amazing opportunities if a kid is wanting to go to college to help them um, while at the same time serving our country, um, which I think is amazing. But as soon as you got into military career, like how did you specialize in what you went into? Maybe that's the question. Yep. So maybe I'll go back to the Air Force Academy. We have until our sophomore year to decide about we want to stay or not. The first day of your junior year, you commit to the military. So there's a summer period there between your sophomore and junior year. You really got to think and and sit down and talk to your parents, talk to your mentors and figure out what you want to do. And it was at that time that I was given a leadership uh, course, a summer leadership course to do. 
and it, I flourished. I enjoyed talking to some of the uh, listed members that came to help us out in the Air Force Academy. Uh, I saw the respect that they had for me just by the virtue of being at the military and being an officer candidate. And I started kind of thinking, this is what I do in soccer. As a team captain in soccer, as a leader on the field mm -hmm. with a team, I saw a direct correlation to what the military is. And it started getting me really excited about the future and the potential. So I said, heck yeah, I'm gonna do this thing for another two years of the Air Force Academy, and I'm gonna go. And uh, we do have good options when you join the military, like you said, for the Montgomery GI Bill, the benefits, the perks, there's other perks too with um, medical. My parents, they, they said, you know, once you go to college and they get to that certain age. This is Principal Steve Day. You have five minutes to get to class. Have a fantastic day. So my parents said, once you go to college and you get to that certain age, we can't cover you for those bills, those medical bills too. And I started, and everything started connecting. I started growing up, my maturity level started, I would say, getting to the level it should be at that point in my life it, versus me just running through life and doing whatever I thought was fun at the moment. I had a purpose and I had a desire to be my own person and to lead other people to greatness. And it was, it happened those last two years. And then when I got into the, to the military, that was a whole nother story. Gosh, so you, you were able to identify like how you were treated as a top level athlete. You were getting similar treatment for representing our country mm -hmm. and as someone who supports our military without hesitation i love to hear that i wish our military would get treated like an athlete um, the respect um, the desire to be that um, what a cool story that's i love that thank you for sharing that i hope our kids yeah. hear that absolutely um for students out there who are maybe unsure what they wanna do. We're at the CCIC, mostly 10th graders, 11th graders and 12th graders come to our school. Um, do you have any advice for them who may be unsure what they wanna do? Um, maybe are questioning a lot of things, maybe even thinking about military. What advice do you have for kids? My advice is to try as many different things as you can that you might think you're interested in and just give it the good old shot. Don't stop when it gets hard. In fact, when it gets hard, that's probably the right time to continue to go through to see if you have what it takes. And the military offers that. The military gives you challenge after challenge after challenge. And every time you surpass and go above and beyond what you think you personally can do, you grow, you get confidence, and you start understanding and believing in yourself that I got this, I can do this, I, that's what I personally find most amazing about the military. And I would recommend everybody, every high school student to try something like that. Try the military, if there's junior ROTC, if there's Civil Air Patrol, uh, or just go out there and, and check out one of the military academies. We got one right down the street here at the Air Force Academy. Go to one of their, their summer programs and challenge yourself and see what you're made of. And know that that's what the military does because we want you to be great and we want you to work together as a team and we will, we're looking for leaders. And leaders come in all shapes and sizes, not just like I talked about from sports uh, aspect because there are leaders there too, but there's leaders everywhere in society. It doesn't have to be a sport and you have to be a good follower at the same time. If you can't follow first, you can't lead. I think it's great. I think one thing the military has figured out that I love and I support is that systematically or... Um, yeah, systematically pushing people 
past their limits. When you learn your capability by going past maybe what you're comfortable with or, um, and that could be physically, that could be in a, in, a, in a situation, but anytime we push past what we think we're capable of, in my opinion, that's how you raise self-esteem. That's how you raise confidence in yourself because you're constantly learning that you are capable more than what you think you are. And I think that's great for people to understand. And I love that the military taps into that. They're one of the few organizations that I really see that does that. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah it's right. great. Yeah, it's awesome, right? And I would say that everybody in the military had experienced that in their life to get to that level. So when you're being coached or mentored or taught by a military leader, they've been there. They've had to overcome some struggles, some fears, and they're, they're good with you. They're gonna get you to overcome your fears and struggles because they know how to get you past that. They might stair-step you. They might push you all in, but they're there to also support you. It's a great, it's a great family. For those listening who are interested in your career in military, aircraft maintenance, is there any advice you can give those who want to actually pursue this as a career? Classes they can take, experiences they can get involved in. If you know, people hear your story and they say, I want to do what he does. What advice for those kids um, as they progress through high school and things they can get involved with. And Yeah, I would say there's not one pathway uh, to find what you enjoy. Run with that, run, run to those classes that, that you want to be a part of, do the best that you can, seek mentors, seek guidance, find ways to be the best at what you are good at, and then know that the military is there to have as many options. It could be aircraft maintenance. It could, we, we have cyber, we have medical, um, we have electricians, we have HVAC, we have mechanics. We have everything in the military that could be a fit for, for, for a person here in any high school. And so I would say that the military is open for every type of human that's out there, especially high school kids that wanna thrive and have a desire to push their boundaries and learn more. Because the military is going to teach you. They're going to give you skills on the job training. We're going to send you to classes. We're going to upgrade you. We're going to give you certifications. And uh, as long as you're thriving in your high school arena and you found your niche here, you'll find your niche in, in the military. And if you don't, let's put it on the other side. What if you haven't found your niche and you're like, I don't get it. I don't know what I want to do with my life because who does? when they're at that age. I didn't, I don't know if I still do. I know everybody says that's cliche, but I, uh, I would say the military gives you a chance to bounce around too. You can move from a different job to a different job when people see that you have the effort and the attitude because that's what you can control. Now you spent a large part of your military career as a uh, um, uh, aircraft uh, mechanic, correct? Um, kind of a supervisor of mechanics. Okay, mechanics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did, did you get your A&P certification and then started working on aircrafts or? I did not require to get my A&P certification. Uh, some of my, the folks that work for me do have that, but it's not a requirement either to work in there. It becomes kind of a bonus. Some of the folks that work in the aircraft mechanic industry in the military, their, all their work and all their skills and all their training can lead to getting an A&P license in the civilian sector with uh, just a couple uh, tests that they have to validate. So what you're working on aircrafts, can you tell 
the kids on what kind of crafts you worked on and yeah. specialized in um, or over our, our uh, supervised people working on? Yes. So I, there's probably about 15 different military aircraft, some what we call in the joint operational need. Yeah, Ryan. So I've been in, I've supervised members that were maintaining probably a handful, over a dozen different aircraft. So um, we call some of them joint operational urgent need. Where we're, uh, when I was in Afghanistan, these aircraft weren't tested uh, thoroughly at home. They were put into play in Afghanistan in order to meet a need of a combatant commander. Some, for example, are the, the intel planes that fly around and collect data, see data, provide targeting for the battle space so that operators can go in and, and uh, take care of the enemy or the target or the cache of explosives that we're trying to destroy. Uh, I've Fighter planes, the F-16, I've been on that one a lot. Uh, it's a great multi-role fighter jet, super fast. Here in Colorado, you see them all the time because they fly out of Buckley, where I work at. Uh, you got the flying one ever? I have not, but my wife has. Yeah, she was the luckiest one. She was in the military too. No, I have not been able to. I'll probably, I'll probably get sick. <laughs> those things are so fast. I've heard those being described as sitting at the at the point of the head of a needle and flying uh Basically, Mach 1 is what it would be like. Uh, the A-10, I, I was with the A-10 for a little bit in Germany and in Afghanistan as well. That's probably my favorite airplane, the close air support, the 30-millimeter Gatling gun that's on the front, the ordnance that I can carry on the wings. I have never seen so many grateful Army special operators that would come back to the base after a mission where we launched our alert A-10s and our close air support A-10s to save their lives. And they come back and they say, thank you. Who was the pilot? What plane was it? If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be alive today. And probably the most rewarding. Uh, I've done the medevac C-130s. Um, I've done the, uh, the big, uh, what would we call that? The EC uh, 130s as well. Uh, gosh, there's so many uh, prop planes, uh, other jet planes. It's the, the best part about my my job is I get to see every one of these planes, their capabilities, what they do, and how they stack on top of each other in order to provide the effects that we want on the battlefield. And it's, it's just great to see that whole team come together. That is such a wild story to hear soldiers come back knowing they were saved by the A-10 and yeah. being able to go and thank the pilot. Um, boy, that's emotional to think about. Yeah, I can only imagine what that experience would be like. That sounds like a good career. You had a lot of fun. You, you served your country. You, you worked on a lot of different aircrafts. Um, been a good journey. It's, it's been great. I've met so many amazing people. I'll tell you, the people will make it worth it for me. Best friends for life for being in this, what I call a sport, being in this job. Uh, I still talk to folks 15 years later. I'll go to their weddings after I haven't seen them for 17, 15 years. And it's like nothing ever stopped. My, one of my really good friends from when I was a lieutenant in Korea is now the commander out at Buckley Space Force Base. And who would have thought that her and I would have crossed paths again 17 years later? Within your role as a colonel supervising aircraft maintenance, like what did your days look like? Hmm. What did, what did Donald do with his time? Were you, like, what did that day look like? I'm just, for kids out there, I'm, I gotta imagine they're going, what, what would you do all day? Like, what would you, what would your tasks look like? What problems were you solving? Yeah, it might be best for me to talk about what it was like at the beginning of my career 
for for everybody here listening. I, uh, as a brand new lieutenant, my job was to get out there and know exactly what our operations entailed. How do you check out tools? How do you do an inspection on a piece of equipment? How do you fix that aircraft part? How do you order this part out of supply? What are the hazards of the airplane, whether it's liquid oxygen, whether it's hydrazine, whether it's composite material, just understanding the fundamental processes that allow us to do our jobs. That was my number one job as a lieutenant. So I put on coveralls and I got out there and I, I did work with my technicians and I, I earned their trust. I, then I was able to advocate for them as well because that's my real job was to advocate them as a supervisor to make sure they had the, the training, the equipment, the tools and the guidance they needed in order to execute their job and my job is to fight for that at higher levels, resources, money, time, uh, whatever that may be. And I couldn't do that if I didn't know what they did, if I didn't know what they lacked, and if they wouldn't talk to me. Yeah. And so without, if I, by going out and working with them, especially late at night, uh, well past dinner time, into 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, they started trusting me and they, were, they would open up and tell me what they what they really needed and what life was really like, which gave me a perfect picture of what I needed to do to help them out. Very cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. trust is huge. Yeah. I always say the equation for trust is words plus action over time. Yeah. If you don't get that equation right, people won't trust you. And trust is a commodity. Once you lose it, it's gone. You can earn it, but once you break it, it's, it's like sand. It's, this falls out of your hand. Yes. So like fast forward to where you are in your your colorful career now what problems are you trying to solve you know wh how do you go about solving them what's your day look like now in your career if that was when you were starting out as lieutenant you're now often doing different things what's your days look like my my primary focus now is to focus on the top level leaders in my organization to ensure that they have the skills necessary to lead their teams and then to get them to look upward and outward, have a strategic vision and view of where they want to take their organizations not, and get their head out of the weeds and, allow, and to help them and guide and coach them to collaborate laterally with their colleagues and not have fights, uh, not create tribalism issues that we're all on the same team together. And so I'm, I'm coaching leaders, I'm developing leaders, I'm, I'm helping them with their techniques to try to grow them and also to make sure that they're providing the right culture for the organization that they're in charge of. That the people in their organization feel free from reprisal, feel like they can come to work to be themselves no matter what they believe in or who they are, and to come to work as who they are so that they can maximize their full potential. And that takes a lot of work. It allows me to, to still get out there, get my coveralls on. Uh, I just drove a semi-truck for the first time. I never, never did that. I'm going to drive a snowplow out there on the runway when the winter comes because of those, my CE guys, they do that. So I still want to get my hands dirty. I still want to get out there and do some tactical stuff, get to know the troops. But ultimately, my focus is on their senior leaders to help them become better and create the right culture for the, their people. What I always tell kids that your 20s are where you learn. Your 20s are probably going to be spent where you're learning your trade, your craft, whatever you're going to say offer society. Your 30s and 40s and maybe some of your 50s is where you earn. Like those are your peak earning years. If you did it right in your 20s, you're spending those three decades earning, right? And then the last, you know, the, you know, say mid 50s, 60s, 70s is where we return. 
And it doesn't, I, I tell kids, it's not about returning money, it's about returning knowledge. You get to a place in your life where you get to now go back and share everything you've learned, mentor, build leaders. Like, it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. You've reached your point in your career where you're now kind of turning back and you're returning your knowledge. And so you're now put in a place where you're mentoring, building, creating a culture within a large organization. Yeah. What's been your biggest success during your time in the military? Is, is there any specific projects or products you've been involved with that you can you know, obviously speak about? I know in the military you're protecting a lot of things, but what kind of stands out to you in your military time as just something really cool, projects or teams you are on? That's, to, me, to me, that's a really interesting question because as I reflect, I, I have different chapters in my life where I thought one thing was important the next chapter, I think that different things are important. So when I was younger, for example, what I thought was important were all my individual accolades. As I've started to grow through my career, what I, what I thrive on, what gets me so excited is when a team does amazing things together because of the synergy that they are doing and they're providing. The individual no longer exists as the most important. It's what does a team can do because you can have a multiplier effect. So. I would say to answer your question, maybe I have two answers. So when I, when I was a young officer, uh, brand new, uh, I'd say the first four years of my career, I thought it was great to get my stratification, to be the number one of, you name it, number one officer out of 25 different officers. To get that, to have my name recognized, finally for what all the hard work that I did, to me that was my best accolade. But I would again go back to say I don't think that's the right answer anymore. Uh, my right answer now is what I've seen a team do here at Buckley's uh, Space Force Base on the F-16 community. My biggest, uh, my biggest accomplishment was watching my team put together a new system of warfare where we can send individual but highly motivated and highly trained highly trained meaning in multiple different disciplines, out to an austere environment where they had no communication with leadership, but they only had a commander's intent, and then they operated and executed for uh, four to five days without any guidance and oversight. And we did that a couple years ago in Greenland and up north uh, in the very cold regions of the Arctic. and. The guys crushed it. In fact, my team did it better than any other team because other teams that were from around the world that were trying to get their jets out the, out the door couldn't get their jets from freezing and they couldn't get their jets started. We were the only team to even get the planes off the ground to accomplish the mission with, with very little number of members. Uh, I would say it was probably about 25% of what the Air Force thought we should have. That's how few people we had. And there was no leadership, though. That was the test. Is you were going to put these soldiers in a position where you know what you need to do, but no one's mm-hmm. going to help orchestrate. You guys got to find that orchestration within your team. Yes. And we loaded bombs. Uh, I had a guy that knew how to load bombs. That was his primary job. But they also knew how we cross-trained him into launching an aircraft. We also cross-trained him into be a security force defender in case the enemy overran the base and they could take uh, covering fire positions. So they were trained in multi, multiple different uh, jobs and they crushed it. And no one believed that we could do that. In fact, what was also very exciting about that is the Air Force has rules and regulations in place that say you cannot do these things. And we got waivers 
to break probably about three to four different regulations that the Air Force said, you can't do because it would be impossible. And we said, no, we can. Give us the waiver and we'll show you. And we did. And the guys and gals, they crushed it. It was so amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. That, and that is a great exercise in learning to work in a team like that. Yeah. Um, we, that's something we focus here at the CCIC. In fact, 30% of a kid's grade is what we call our, uh, our professional skills. And some of that rubric is based on how a kid works within a team. And we will do similar things here, obviously not to that caliber, but I know in construction, let's say we take seven kids to work in a team, we use an odd number because we're gonna, um, we're gonna inject some conflict in that. And we're gonna let those guys have to work through it. And if you have an even number, three and three, well, we can get some tribalism. But if we have a group of seven, you guys gotta figure out how to make this problem work. And we're purposeful on that because working in a team is a skill. Um, I'm sure there's kids out here listening that don't like working in a team. You're not the only one. So then run towards what you're not comfortable with and that's working as a team. And it's a skill. Um, I can't, I, I wish I could have been a fly in the wall up there on that. That would have been really cool. You're in like sub-zero temperatures, so stress level's high. It's dark all the time up there. So, you know, I'm sure your sleep pattern gets disrupted and you're given this major task and there's no one there to help orchestrate it. So, wow, that's awesome. It is. And you think, wow, that sucks. I, you and I think, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and the guys thought, wow, that's awesome. Anybody was freezing, they close their eyes for one second, their eyeballs freeze shut, like they're, they're cold, the food was not the best type of food. They had to figure all these things out. They came back more excited than I've ever seen them to have such dire situations. You just don't get that everywhere. And it goes back to what we originally talked about, about pressing through limits that you think you can't do. I mean, I bet everybody down there was intimidated by the, the task in front of them. How are we gonna do this? And guess what, through the process, you expanded what you were capable of. You have more belief in yourself. You have more confidence. Absolutely. Um, I could be off on this, but I, it seems military is pretty heavily dominated by males. Be curious if that's true. And if it is true or not true, what advice or what can you offer females out there that may be considering a, a career in the military? Um, could you speak to that? Yeah, and I love that question. Having two daughters of my own, uh, this, is, this really lands solidly in my heart. Yes, the, if you looked at the ratio in the United States population, uh, men and women, and you looked at the ratio of men and women in the military, there's more men in the military uh, comparatively. And so how, how can we get more women in there? And what, what would be the draw for the, for the women to go? I, I would say that today, more than ever, especially growing up through a couple decades, just watching the push and the movement for women to be comfortable being leaders, comfortable... Uh, going out there and taking on challenges that I'm going to put my finger quotes up right now that were men challenges. It, women could do it just as good, if not better than men. We are all great in our own, in our own ways. And then women have the chance to lead. The women have the chance to take a team, make them better, and they have different styles. And it takes all sorts of different styles to make a team better. So it could take a, a, a female leader, a male leader together to work to make this team beneficial to what the mission is. Without that perspective, without what, a, a, what a, a woman can bring to the table, we are missing out. We are missing out on a, on a huge amount of experience, knowledge, capabilities, and the military needs that. The military needs women. We need, we need what the skills they bring to the table. We need their perspectives. 
And I'll, I'll just say for recently, we've changed a lot of our Air Force guidelines on dress and appearance. Finally, to help women out, uh, they can have their hair in a ponytail. They don't have to have it up in a bun anymore, which is tight, miserable. It pulls on your brain all day long. They can be comfortable. Uh, they're making changes to make it more comfortable for women to be in the military, just, just with that, that alone. And uh, I love it. And I, I would just ask every female student that's listening to this podcast and ask you to come to the military. Make us better. Bring what you have to the table in the military. Change us so that way we can be the best nation's military there is out there and protect our country. Because without them, we're only half as good. So yes. need them. It's it's a special question to me too. I got um, I got two stepchildren. One of them, uh, I have a stepdaughter, um, and when she was in high school, she did a JROTC Army program, and I was beyond impressed on how she was treated in the program. Um, I met with her commanding officer. Um, we had great talks. Um, I would I would second what you're saying. If there's females out there, I would I would highly consider this, and then also consider coming in and how can we be improving. Um, I love what you're saying. I mean. We are, not a, we are not a perfect nation, we're not a perfect country, right? And that is okay, because that leaves us the option to continue to get better, right? Um, and and, and we, need, we need more females in our military that, to, to, to secure our freedom. Um, kind of gonna wrap some things up. So I, I've had a question that I've wanted to ask since we've met, you have a very unique nickname, Dono. Um, that's actually how I've gotten to know you and how I remember you, and I would be curious, how did you get the nickname Dono? I had imagined that came from the military in some area. Um, could you share with the kids how you got your nickname? Yeah, I wish there was a really cool story, Ryan. Man, it's, it just goes back to fifth grade. Donovan is my middle name. And there was five other Jasons, one other Jason K to include me. And I just got sick of when they, the teacher said Jason and five of us raised our hand. And, <laughs> and then it just became cool. Dono was, there wasn't a lot of Donovans or Donos out there. But the military, it, it was neat. They, they allowed me to keep my nickname. Sometimes you have to earn it doing certain things. And the things you earn it by is not always the, the good stories you want to tell anybody. But I don't, I don't have any amazing, funny stories that why I got that name. It was just, there's too many Jasons. Hey, and it goes back to fifth grade, so it stuck. It did. <laughs> um, and so I would say students out there, after hearing this podcast, if you see Dono walking around the CCIC, which you will, um, he is one of our industry partners who is involved in what we do. Please say hi to him. Um, he continues to uh, have, uh, continues to um, live out his military career, continuing to be a, um, a part of our great military that protects our freedom. Um, and with what's going on in the world right now, uh, I think we can all um, pay special attention to that and offer, offer our thanks for your service. Um, and so with that, Dono, I appreciate you joining us here on the Career Conversation Podcast, where we're bringing real people from real careers um, into the CCIC. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for your service. And hope to see you around the halls of the CCIC more. Yep, I'll definitely be here, Ryan. Thanks for bringing me on campus. Absolutely, anytime. We'll record again maybe in a few months. <laughs>